This is the podcast for June 4th, 2010. It's not safe for work. It's a Jeff Glass and Blue Gal podcast. I want to start by telling you about the pancakes. Okay. <laughs> what? Well, you got to talk about the pancakes. I, and I'm going to start off by, by telling, giving you a heads up that I'm kind of in a in a in a introspective kind of mood. Oh. Today is the anniversary of uh, the passing of someone in the blogosphere. Oh, is today Steve Gilliard's passing? Yes. I am sorry for your loss, dude. I'm well, sorry I, I for think all we, of our losses. I think uh, we all I think lost something. In honor of Mr. Gilliard's, you know, memory, I think we should be, you know, extra feisty tonight. We should. Just, I've been extra feisty this lot. week. Well, 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 you were about to tell me some story involving pancakes. Yeah, well, I was. I was going to tell you the pancake story. It's one of nature's perfect foods. It so. is. It's so wonderful. Pray continue. <laughs> well, I made pancakes this past weekend, and my six-year-old daughter wanted to flip her own pancake. And she walked over. I've got a big flat griddle, so she's not really at the stove. There's no sides to it. With a lot of supervision, she can sit there and flip the pancake. I didn't think anything of it. So sure. I poured the pancake batter on the hot griddle, and we watched it bubble. So the excitement mounts. Time yes. to flip the pancake, and she takes the spatula, puts it on top of the pancake batter on the griddle to try to flatten the pancake with her <laughs> spatula, oh. but it's... It hasn't oh. been flipped yet, and so there's this pancake batter seeping through the holes of the spatula, and then she lifts it up, and the whole thing, except for what's on the griddle, lifts right off the pancake, and there's this little crepe left, you know, this little crust. <laughs> and it's all over the place, and she's just destroyed it. And she looks down, and she says, that's not my pancake. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you want to work for BP. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a place, there's a place for you at British yes, Petroleum. Really yeah. If they're hiring Dick Cheney's former spokesman. Oh, they could use her. Because she just, I'm not eating that. Well, and, and really, they do need a six-year-old. They do. To look into the camera. And look I didn't very, do it. It was an accident. Yeah, the one thing they haven't tried yet is to be adorable. Yeah, they haven't tried you know? to do oh. Well, but it just happened. It was an accident. Oh, <laughs> isn't that, that cute? Yeah. Isn't that cute how that happened? Yeah. Isn't that cute how the whole yeah. golf got destroyed because, you know. Well, you know. Oh. Well, so, well there, there is a. To our topic tonight, which is accountability. Accountability. Now, we're not going to ask any of our listeners to be accountable tonight. You're not accountable. No. <laughs> but no. I, I found two interesting little nuggets on the internet this wonderful internet of ours uh, uh, the, first of all, <laughs> the, the the internet that was invented and and funded by the socialist evil government that right, internet right Luga? well yeah. <laughs> al gore's internet and and <laughs> we're sorry to hear that al gore and tipper have separated it but somebody did tweet today isn't it ironic that it's bill and hillary that are still together you know, yeah <laughs> of all the people yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, on Twitter, speaking of Twitter, the uh, hashtag of the evening is Obama's fault. Pound Obama's fault. And it's hilarious because it's things they're going to rename the San Andreas Obama's fault. 
Yeah. And um, what are some of the other ones? Uh, Law and Order being canceled. Obama's yeah. fault. Lost. Yep, lost. The lost. entire. I, I have to tweet that. <laughs> Six years yeah. of lost. Obama's fault. Obama's Watergate, fault. Never... Watergate. Obama's fault. Uh-huh. I will never forgive him with the lost. No. No. Yeah. Oh, you now you watched the ending of Lost. Tell us what you thought of that. Um, I thought it was. While we're jumping uh, all over the place with this conversation. Yes, with, with accountability. Yeah. Well, accountability in entertainment, you know, accountability in in writing, for my money, is you got to pay off what you write. Mm-hmm. You know? and, oh, and, and I understand the people from Lost just left so many loose ends you could actually fringe well, a rug. <laughs> yeah, it was it was emotionally satisfying and intellectually infuriating. Yeah, um, it was you know it was nice and it was you know all the all the good people basically got to go to heaven. Oh. And and all the you know it was it was a it was a fine ending to a happy Christian story where all that is lost has been found and all that's been broken has been restored and we'll all meet together in the great beyond and that is the end of the Christian narrative. Yep. You know, the good guys go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Everyone you've ever lost is back in your in your life, and the bad guys are are we don't know what happens to them. We assume they go to hell, but they're they're sort of left out of the party. And that that all of your good works. Speaking of accountability, all of your good works and deeds are are uh, paid for. It was an elegant ending in that um, I believe Jill at Brilliant at Breakfast put up uh, YouTube mm-hmm. showing that one of the one of the key things was the number 108. Every 108 minutes, you had to enter a you know some numbers or the world would blow up. Yeah. Three three years ago, and that just disappeared as part of the plot. Wow. Whole big chunks of the plot just never were explained, were never mentioned. But the the as part of an elegant writerly way to end the program, the the last 108 seconds of the program were a or more or less were a repeat in reverse of the first 108 seconds of the program. Oh wow! And somebody figured that out, or the writers acknowledged that? Oh, the right, yeah, it was shot for shot. It mm. was awfully close. It was it was our main character, you know, in the very beginning, waking up in a jungle. Um, wounded, staggering to his feet, his eyes open, a dog approaches, you know, begin show. The, the last part was our hero staggers to the same spot. He falls to his knees. He's wounded again, approximately in the same place. His eyes close as a dog comes up to comfort him and he dies. Wow. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Um, so, so, you know, just as a, as, a, as a frame story device, it was fine. You began as you ended and you closed your narrative out in the right place, but it was, it, it, it's almost as if they sat in the room and said, "You know, we're 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 so screwed. We can never explain all this nonsense. Right, right. We've mixed we've mixed metaphors. We've mixed uh, metaphysics with reality. We've mixed timelines, and we're never going to untangle this. So let's just throw a lot of very swelling, uplifting, happy music at you. Let all of the people that you came to like um, come back and hug each other and go to heaven. Yeah, and we'll call it a, we'll call it a good, we'll call it a good day. So." You know, it's I've, a super happy ending. It is the super duper, and you know the the, the character's father's name is Christian Shepherd. Oh, you know, and he's standing in front of, and it's not like you don't. It's not like it's supposed to be subtle, mm-hmm. but it was really kind of like I got it. You hit me with a sledgehammer. I'm, you know, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm a human being. I have emotions. You reach them. You, you isn't it nice that you know he got the girl and. And everyone's reunited in the great beyond. But as far as a writer's, with a cold writer's eye, they cheated. 
Yeah. They, yeah. they completely cheated. They got in over their head. They played interesting little, you know, trapdoor games with the plot and they cheated. And they, and in the end, accountability is in literature is a matter of do you give them your repeat business? Yeah. Yeah. And the answer is probably not. Yeah. You know, there are lots of people who will argue the opposite. You know, it's just, it's part of the journey, man. <laughs> you know, it was a very good, um, there's a, uh, I forget which director once said, probably, um, John Ford or somebody said, you know, the definition of a great movie is three great scenes and no bad ones. Right, right. And it was a well cast show. It was an incredibly diverse show. It was, um, it had lots of good scenes. It had a bunch of bad ones, but not overwhelmingly large numbers, but it didn't go anyplace. Um, it didn't dare, you know, you know what I'd compare it to? I'd compare it to 2001. The space oh, okay. Odyssey. All right. All right. Because 2001 Space Odyssey paid off. Yep. You know, in the end, it dared to be about something. And, you know, in the end, it was mankind's next evolutionary step is this. Yep. And it's that. See, and science- I, when I first saw 2001, I think I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was the only kid in my class who lived in the city. Everyone else lived out in the country. No one had cable but me. And it was going to be on cable, and they found out, and several of my friends came over to watch it. And my dad sat and watched it with us, and we get to the end where this baby, this embryo is, Mm -hmm. and I just didn't get it at all. What the heck was that? (laughs) (laughs) And so I turned to my dad, and I said, I don't understand what happened. And so my dad, being the art professor that he is, said... Well, you know, it has to do with man's rebirth, or maybe it's the next step, or maybe he's being born again, or maybe he's uh, that there's some sort of cycle, and and he just sort of, you know, gave me lots of different options as to what this artistic statement could mean. Sure. And we it were, was ambiguous, as yeah, a, as all he arts- said. You know, he said it could mean lots of things, but here are sure. some options that I think about, and. Sure. You know, certainly, certainly, there's something about birth there because that's an that's a embryo. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a fetus. The astonishing thing was that the next day at school, my friend, one of my friends from high school, said, "You know, I was really shocked by what happened at your house last night." Oh. And I said, "What?" And he said, "Well, you turned to your dad and asked him what that movie was about, and you guys had a conversation about it, and that never happens at my house." Oh, so everything man. happens and everybody just gets oh. leaves. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, but really, isn't that sad? Yeah, you know, yeah, isn't that it's, sad? It's, it goes, it goes back to that book again that I was talking about last week, Outliers, where he spends an entire chapter talking about um, the difference between uh, the lower classes and the middle class is the cultivation of children as opposed to the raising of children. Uh huh. And that. Uh, the you huge, were, you're, you're cultivated. I was cultivated. Yeah. My kids are cultivated. You learn yeah. how to parent that way. It's passed along from generation to generation. And yeah, and and you don't uh, meet up with people or reproduce with people who don't have that same parenting style. You never wind up yeah. with someone who isn't a cultivator. Cultivators attract other cultivators. So that's uh, a very interesting. Well, and the thing that I always thought ruined. Uh, as if it could be ruined. But the thing that, that sort of messed up 2001 was 2010, 
Speaking of the year we're in, 2010 was Roy Scheider. It was the year we made contact. It was was Obama's fault. (laughs) It was Obama's fault. But the problem, and it was heavy, it was an okay movie. It had good special effects and it did lots of things. But the thing that it did that I really just irritated the hell out of lots of people is that it methodically answered. It removed the ambiguity. Yeah. Yeah. It was, why did Hal go crazy? And we have to well, find that out, really. And, and, and they tell you, well, you know, Hal was told not he could never lie by people who lie all the time, was forced into a, into a conflict in its basic programming, and went mad. No, that's that's not the answer I want. Yeah. The answer I want is Hal went mad because Hal is Hal. Yeah. And Hal is an eternal sort of, and and it was it was the two thousand one, um, like all sort of great stories. Um, biblical, non-biblical, mythic stories force you to wrestle with ambiguity. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't give you the answer. It doesn't tell you what the right answer is. Um, I think that's what Lost tried to do. It tried in, in a lot of senses. It was mythic and it was epic, and it re- I give it a lot of credit for trying to be um, awesome. Yep. But it but it, it planted itself firmly in in inside of history. That's the the problem Christians run into. Uh, is that you know your religion is eternal, but you're stuck with it starting and stopping at a particular date, mm-hmm. which means I can go back in history and look at what was happening at that time and say, well, this doesn't make any sense and this doesn't make any sense, and you have this intersection of sort of eternal, ambiguous questions that exist to force us to wrestle with them. Yeah, well, the idea is not to get an answer necessarily. Right. The idea is to force your brain to evolve. And to, to become subtle and become tough and become um, able to cope with the world by wrestling with them. And 2010 tried to, re- tried to answer questions that should never have been answered in that way. And great art, I would argue, like like you and your father talking mm-hmm. about what it meant, mm-hmm. that's the point of having – And not coming up with any conclusions. I mean, yeah. we didn't come up, well, what it means is, and I'll tell you, no, he didn't do that. You know, He no. wanted me to think for myself and he wanted yeah. to discuss it. And he saw well, and me as an adult who could who could know, do, that. do that. Who's on your yeah. way to do that? Yeah. And there there are people who are. This is there's a a pretty clear bright line in my personal experience, my subjective experience between the what I call the Leviticans and what lots of people call the Leviticans and non-Leviticans. Yeah, right. Right. The people who really need a set of rules. Well, thousands and thousands of rules. I find so interesting about politics of of accountability is that the spectrum that you've just described, which is you have Art, which doesn't have any defined answers or, uh, you know, that there's there's ambiguity and so forth. And then you have a framework of politics where we want reality-based solutions. <laughs> those yes, of us, those yes. of us who are in the reality-based experience yep. want reality-based solutions, proposals for reality-based solutions. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be trial and error, but we want legislation passed based on research and what yes. works and yes. try yes. we're not we're not sort of just uh-huh. flailing it's not ideological it's this is what's happened we have to react to it but we know that the scientists have said that if we do this x y and z the economists have said if we do x y and z and they're trying to base it on something well and, and i'm going to take half a- the fox news viewers mm-hmm. who don't need facts don't need study don't mm-hmm. need to even be consistent with what they said 3 months ago no and there's there's no accountability for what what was said three months ago. This is uh, we got a wonderful email from a blogger named Batocchio who blogs at Renet. Um, yay Batocchio! Yay, yay. 
Joe Yeager. Uh, Vagabond Scholar is the name of his blog. Mm-hmm. And he also blogs at Crooks and Liars from time to time. And he uh, did, had a wonderful email to us about um, Sarah, responding to our podcast last week about Sarah Palin and in that she's very much like Ann Coulter in that she expects to be able to say, what was the word he used? Provocative, that was a word. Mm-hmm. She wants she wants to take uh, responsibility for being provocative, but she doesn't want to take accountability for anything she says. Yeah, it's just throw it out there and be provocative, and then get the attention, and then not be have any accountability. And she did that today, in that she said, uh, "Well, you know, drill baby drill was never really about offshore." You know, we ah. this. She tweeted. <laughs> this was a 140 character tweet about said. She's, by the way, Twitter is perfect for her. Oh, that, is the, that, is the, that is the length and breadth and height her soul her can reach. Brain. 140 characters <laughs> is, is and about... The and height her soul can reach is, yeah, 140, is 140 characters. characters. Yeah. That is unattached to anything else. It's just little it just, little oh. snippets, little tic-tacs well, of she, thought. This, is, this, is, this was the debate on Keith Olbermann tonight was, you know, George Bush is now on Facebook. Uh-huh. And it's not him. It's some ghostwriter saying, President yeah. Bush today... You know, yeah. did not choke on a pretzel, and yeah. and it's cl- so clearly driven by his publisher. You know, oh, you've got to have Facebook because there's some people who never leave Facebook and will never sell a book to that huge component of Republicans who never leave Facebook and who love Sarah Palin. If you don't go and have a presence there, so I well, mean, I, I, clearly what's going I'd on. like to go back to your um, observation. Oh, but no, the 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 question of yeah. whether Facebook was the right place for George W. Bush, and the people that they had on said, well, it's the perfect place for George W. Bush because he doesn't have to have a conversation with anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just pronouncement, 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 just like Sarah Palin. So, I it's to... his balcony. It's, it's his, his balcony, his, yeah. It's his own little fascist balcony. And it's her balcony, can, too. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, what, but you, what you were saying about um, reality-based solutions mm-hmm. um, versus art versus <laughs> a lot of... One of what? my favorite tweets of the day was, what's what is it exactly that was so wrong about the Clinton administration? Was it the peace or the prosperity? <laughs> yeah, it was the penis. <laughs> yeah. It was the it was the burning horror of the pe yeah. the thought that a president would have a penis. We didn't want to think was, about that. Te- yeah. A Democratic president would have a penis because Republican presidents don't have penises. Oh. They don't. They don't have sex. They don't go to the bathroom. Well, they Gingrich don't. Newt Gingrich was having sex in his office at exactly the same no. time. No, no, no. Hot, angry, you know, revenge. Um, sex with an underling is not sex. Oh, I see. It's, it's power. You know, oh. he was having he was having hot, shameful, you know, subordinate sex. And with, what is he uh, having now that he married her? Good, I don't politically <laughs> politically advantageous relations. Politically I advantageous Christian video is what they're doing now. Yeah. Well, but yeah. but the the idea that we want reality based solutions. Yes. Yes. I still think that there's a real big difference between ambiguous art and bad art. Yes. You know, yes, yes. Uh, you know, yep. good art is the product of technique and craft, and it's not an accident, and it's not something you just crap on a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, it 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 requires a very careful, you know, study and very good technique. The outcome might be um, require a lot of thought and a lot of care. Um, and it's also the difference between art and propaganda. You know, art can mean a lot of things. Propaganda means one thing. You know, enemy bad must destroy. Um, it, it might use the techniques of art, but it isn't art. It's propaganda. It, it, it can rise way up there, but it's still, I would argue, is not true, truly great art. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the, the reality-based solutions that the people on our side of the aisle demand um, are based on research, based on analysis, based on your best guess, but we are comfortable with ambiguity. Yes. We're comfortable with nuanced outcomes. We know if, you know, the, the idea that you're going to kill every terrorist and that's the solution to terrorism is insane mm-hmm. because you can't kill an ideology. You can't yep. kill a technique of warfare, and that's what terrorism is. You can you can um, diminish it. You can take steps to make it less or lesser or greater or less have less of an impact on your life or greater impact on your life. But you're never going to eliminate it because it can't be gotten rid of that way. Mm-hmm. And the people who believe it can are the Leviticans, are the ones who say, yeah. no, if we just kill everyone who disagrees with us, then the world will be a better place. Mm-hmm. And they don't yeah. understand that you, it, it, it'll never work. Yeah. And the, and but the Leviticans, as you have pointed out several times, also have a strong sense of the inert, the innate, excuse me, the innate sinfulness of man. <laughs> I like and, inert, actually. Inert <laughs> sinfulness of man, and, yeah. and the uh, uh, the need to just anyone who is who is lacking advantage in this world is simply a bad person, and it's a moral but, well, anyone, anyone, anyone but them who's lacking. Yeah, right, right. Anyone, it, anyone. It's hilarious to watch. Bobby Jindal and Michelle Bachman screaming for federal government intervention for big government, government. Yeah. yeah and and that's you know and that is the thing is <laughs> there there are on a case by case basis you can make a case for less government or more government mm-hmm. I, I think the whole idea of big government is stupid mm-hmm. oh, you know yeah. it's, it's, it's a ridiculous slogan absolutely yes yeah. they're smart and stupid and wasteful mm-hmm. and and frugal but there's not big or small it's just it's a stupid idea to frame it it's a brilliant idea to frame it that way because it, it alleviates the right, you know, their, their necessity to think about anything. Mm-hmm. You just call it big and it's bad. Mm-hmm. Government's mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are cases to be made for, you know, get the government out of certain things and get the government into like certain things. Iraq and have, and yeah. <laughs> but this a lot is, of waste going on in some of our overseas uh, neocon exercises. <laughs> and, and, and that's what in happens when you, when you paint yourself into, an, into a Manichaean corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you know where every step you've taken along the way is there's a right step and there's a wrong step, mm-hmm. an absolutely morally correct position and that's me, mm-hmm. and an absolutely morally degenerate position and that's liberals. Right. And right. you've taken and you've taken twelve of those steps and you find yourself in a corner, mm-hmm. and there's no way out. Clearly, what you're doing isn't working, and and to get the hell out of the corner, you have to acknowledge you made a mistake. Yep. Which means you got to acknowledge you were wrong about something, and liberals are not evil, mm-hmm. and the people who disagree with you are not necessarily bad. And when your whole ideology has a gun to your head that says no, you're never allowed to admit that ever under any circumstances. If you set one toe off that reservation, we're going to David from your ass. We're going to we're going to throw you out of the party. You're screwed. You're stuck. And getting yourself stuck, and that's where we're at right now in in politics and in culture and. In, in all activity, you have one group of people who are stuck in the corner, yep. can't get out, and who really and who are so terrified that we in the majority are going to change the world in a way they don't agree with. Are they're willing to stop everything? They're willing to crash the whole system rather than let anything change. Well, and that's where I want to um, wrap up our our talk and discussion tonight because I really like to hear what you have to say about this um, article I read in Time Magazine, which Time Magazine is. Almost as good as HuffPo at linking to themselves over and over again, <laughs> so yeah. that you you stay on their page. But um, Mark Halpern wrote an article in yesterday's Time Magazine Online 
a, mm-hmm. called How Obama's Enemies May Give Him a Boost. And it sort of skims the surface of truth in some regard, but it makes two points that I would like to get your thoughts on. Okay. One is that um, Republicans and conservatives and teabaggers, and he sort of lumps those together, mm-hmm. have a myopia that has been created within the electronic cocoon of Fox News talk radio, conservative websites, and re- rhetoric from Republican reader, re- leaders. Yeah, okay. Um, all passionately reinforcing the message that the Obama administration is disastrous on a historic scale. And right. then he goes on to say that um, if you search Google, which is, you know, this is lazy journalism here, <laughs> a report on how, <laughs> boy, if you wow, Google he, this, you get this many hits. If you Google this, you get this many hits. He's um, a blog? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, it is revealing, at least, it's, it's not, it's, first of all, it's revealing on the increasing popularity of the Internet. But uh, if you Google Obama worst president ever, quote, in quotes, you get 3.4 million results. Mm-hmm. If you type in Bush worst president ever, you get 1.8 million mm-hmm. results. Yeah, yeah, like half. Oh, if I could, if uh, I could just add, add. Oh, go ahead. I just want to flesh that out with with the um, somebody did a, a a retrospective of Snopes stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lies and exaggerations about yeah, the Bush, yeah. and it turns out the, the the number of lies and exaggerations about the Obama administration is like three or four times as yes, many as the Bush right, administration. Right. And right. and and the quality of the of the urban legends mm-hmm. are also, you know, a lot of them about Bush were harmless or they were, you know, somewhat laudatory. Um, but the overwhelming number of ones about Obama are just completely wrong. Yeah, right. Made a pull out of someone's ass, factually right. wrong. Factually and, they're, and they are incorrect. replicated across, the, you know, the Internet domain and across email right. instantly. Right. And, and, you, and the minute you get one of these bullshit you know, there's a secret prison in southern Illinois right, that right. You know, Obama's using, you know, <laughs> stimulus. grandmas, you know, yes, right. For grandmas. <laughs> you know, this minute, you know, two or three or four of your conservative adult friends yeah. or colleagues send you this they stuff. They finally and, and sent Chuck Grassley's grandma to a secret yes. prison in southern Illinois. It's a blue house. Ex- house. I can't lots get of rid of Chuck Grassley's points. grandma. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, and the font is always, you know, 500 right, point exactly. time, Jerome exclamation yeah. points. Um, and, you know, Ten seconds on the Google yeah. is all that is required by anyone who isn't a primate to look up the fact this is completely false. But then you do a Google search on it, you'll find that it, it is all over every right-wing website yes, exactly. because they don't really give a shit about whether it's true yeah, or not. That's the thing that, but that's the thing that Halpern brings up, and I'm not someone who runs around quoting Mark. I'm shocked I'm actually doing this, <laughs> but uh, he makes the he makes a point that. Within this overheated conservative bubble where it's all about just the name calling, right. there's no room for discussions of policy alternatives. Mm-mm. None. There it's can't a be. Vacuum. <laughs> yeah. There can't. There can't there, be. Well, there's only one right answer. Exactly. Obama is well, the worst president ever, is the answer. Well, yeah. he has to be, because mm-hmm. Bush really was the worst president ever. Yes, exactly. If not in the top two or three. And and that is the memo going all through Fox News. Is, is this Obama's Katrina? Is this Obama's 9-11? Is this Obama's, you know, and it's well, like... There's, Obama it's, has to be worse. Yeah, Obama has, has to be worse. worse. He has to because, be worse. Yes. Well, there's, there's a, Otherwise, a, we are responsible for... Now, let yes. me ask you something, Driftglass, because I... My personal experience, I was, I was really racking my brain this afternoon. I didn't have time to go search my email. But my, my personal experience with the, with the 
term worst president ever as applied to George Bush. Yes. I did not see that in my uh, blogger to blogger emails coming to me until after Katrina. Yeah, I, I, um, do, I do you have any? Uh, then I saw it a uh-huh. lot. Like the, I think the the, cha- the the spelling change to E V A H. Eva. You know, yeah. Eva. Worst president ever <laughs> with periods yeah. in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember it. I, I remember it, thinking. I certainly didn't see it in the first 18 months of his term. No. No, he, he was. That's uh, what's astonishing. We have three times the number of worst presidents ever, and it's. It's, it's June yeah. of his second year in office. Well, and and this is this is a mistake that um, we on the left make mm-hmm. um, a lot, mm-hmm. and I, it's the one I'm 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 sadly having to give up because it's a lovely little addiction. Mm-hmm. That there, there was a blog post um, by a guy named uh, American Dad, um, Russell oh, yeah. King, did yeah. this uh, on Talking Points memo a few months ago, mm-hmm. and it was this exhaustive. It was the it was the greatest post ever. Yes, EVAH. Yes. It was this. Massive, well-linked, well-researched um, uh, piece of analysis of all the problems with conservative thinking, and it went through history and hatred, and, and here's all, here's example after example of hypocrisy, and where you or I might do a link with one or two things. This had hundreds in it. This was the most you know extensively it was really extensive. He it was worked, a, it was, worked a month on this, I think. It was brilliant, yeah. and the 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 reaction, and, and I really believe it probably changed nobody's mind. No. No. Um, because it doesn't matter how many metric tons of facts. The already agreed with it. Yeah. It, well, it doesn't matter how many metric tons of facts you yeah. drop on a conservative. It isn't going to change their fucking that mind. That isn't their point. That their point their is – Their point, yeah. And, and it, it goes back to um, what Paul said <laughs> in the Bible. <laughs> um, I, I did I – did I I, of course I did. I did a post on this a long time ago I'm, just to not be redundant if you've already read it. That's the only reason I'm referencing it. But um, he said if Christ is not risen – then all of our faith is for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, Christ must have risen. Um, uh-huh. If Obama is if, if Obama is not the worst president in history, then we must be wrong, mm-hmm. and we can't be wrong. Right. So we're just going to fucking make Obama the worst president. Everything he does is going to be the worst thing ever. If we have to make it up, if we have to lie, lie to ourselves, lie to our children, scream at the top of our lungs willfully forget eight years of backing George Bush, willfully forget the last 30 years, it doesn't matter because unless Barack Obama is the worst president in history, mm-hmm. then we have made a horrible mistake. Yes, and we are accountable. And we are exactly right. And we, will, and we will be held to account. And the one thing a conservative would rather blow their own heads off than do is be accountable for their own incompetence and failures. And they will burn this fucking planet to the ground. Because it's not my run. pancake. That's right. It's not my pancake. <laughs> That's exactly right, Blue Gal. Wow, you've done a complete frame story here. You've ended this podcast way better than the Lost Writers did. <laughs> so congratulations. I shall don't we, think shall I'm going to need to edit this very much either. I think we're done. I think, I think we're, we're done. done. Here. I think this is the point at which you pop the cue stick and say, hey, uh, thank yeah, you thank for you. listening. Yeah, thank we're very grateful to our listeners. Uh, and thank you for um, stepping up to the plate and contributing $5 to our podcast. We need the money. To continue, we and we deeply appreciate it. You can do that at our website, where you can mm-hmm. also listen to past podcasts or re-listen to this one for free and with no downloads or other for applications nothing. for nothing. Just for go nothing. and push a button on your computer. It's mm-hmm. uh, DGBG Podcast. That's DG for Drift Glass, BG for Blue Gal Podcast. Dot blogspot.com. 
we have an opportunity for you to contribute $5 to our podcast and also uh, the free player where you can listen to past episodes. Uh, we also love getting emails and feedback and questions and comments and ideas for future shows. You can email us at dgbgpodcast at gmail.com. And that winds up in the email boxes of both of us. So we yes, it, both get to read, we both read it. Them. And in honor of Stephen Gilliard's passing, or yes. li- in, honor, in honor of his life, instead of uh, the Internet Kitty playing us out tonight, yeah. which is Wednesday night, I just like I would like to say one thing, and that's fuck the fucking Yankees. <laughs> fuck the fucking Yankees. Play us <laughs> Good night, out, all. fucking Play Yankees. Play us out, Stephen Gilliard's memory. <laughs> podcast is produced under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2010, Driftglass Blue Gal Podcast.